This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast with Andrew Jobling, author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur, and AFL player. Join Andrew as he continues his lifelong journey as a student of human behavior. This podcast will help you live your passion, explore your potential, step into your power, and embrace your possibilities. Embrace your possibilities. possibilities. Andrew Jobling here. This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast. Welcome. And so good to be with you for another week. And this is a great week. I am about to speak with joyologist Pat Armistead. And this is an amazing lady who's doing incredible stuff. She's a self proclaimed joyologist. And how did that come about? Well, let me tell you, she's had quite a journey. And when you look at her website, I'm not going to go through everything, but she's had cancer, she's lost money, she's been in debt, she's had car accidents, she's been a victim of domestic violence, all sorts of stuff. And she made a decision. She had a moment where this thought came to her and the thought was, we have radiology, pathology and hematology, but no joyology. And so the joyologist was born. Pat is now a speaker. She's an author. She's a coach. She has traveled and worked with... Patch Adams, which was an amazing experience she talks about. She's got some amazing insights into how you can bring more joy into your life and live that life of absolute joy. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Pat Armitstead. Wonderful to be here with Pat. Hello, Pat. How are you? Hey, good morning. I am wonderful. Thank you so much. You have to be wonderful. Yeah. This is the problem, Pat, with calling yourself a joyologist. I know. If you're not joyful, people are going to go, what are you doing? You contradict brand. <laughs> exactly right. So you've dug yourself a very deep hole. So you can't be sad. You can't be upset. You can't be cranky. Well, not in front of other people anyway. Yeah. One of the things that I do do is I want people to be fully self-expressed. So we're meant to have all of those emotions, but... I have an innate ability, um, which was there even before I was conscious about it, of being good-humoured. Well, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think people mix up joy and happy. Yeah. Because I think we can be sad but still joyful. I think joy is one of those things that it's almost like it's a way of being rather than an emotion that you're experiencing in the moment. You can go through some of your darkest periods but still have joy, still have gratitude, still have that attitude or feeling that this is a pretty crappy time right now, but I'm grateful for this and I got that. And so I think what you're communicating, Pat, which I'm really excited to chat more about is going to be really valuable for people. One of the things that I came to a realization 21 years ago now was I think joy is a curious mix of pleasure and pain. And our best example would be childbirth. There's that extraordinary effort and pain associated with the delivery, but just profound joy for both partners through that whole process. You know, yeah. you've got intimate communion coming in, there's trust, <laughs> you're surrendering to the universe, whoever's assisting with that delivery. And when I work with people supporting them through painful times, it is like I kind of feel a bit, I'm not a midwife, but I kind of feel a bit like a midwife. It's like you're delivering people through. Yeah, and that's a great analogy too, and I love that, a curious mix of pleasure and pain. I'm going through some pain at the moment, Pat. I've just recently lost my little fluffy girl, and she was a massive part of my life, and it's been incredibly painful. But 
the pleasure of the memories that I have and the time, the fact that I had any time with her at all is brings incredible pleasure and joy into my life. So and it's interesting, isn't it? Often the pain we feel is a result of the pleasure that we've experienced and maybe the fact that we're not going to experience that pleasure anymore, but that's still the pleasure there. Therefore, it can be a source of joy forever. Yeah, and we get these reality slaps and sometimes it's just a, a tap on the arm and we go, oh, and, you know, fairly short space and we can move on. And sometimes it's a resounding whack. And, you know, the bigger the slap, the bigger the gap between the reality we want and the reality that's here. I'm just writing that down. I love that. Bigger the slap, the bigger the gap. Yeah. And it also reflects, you know, the depth of our grief reflects the depth of our love. 100%. From absolute, very recent and personal experience, I can attest to that incredibly. Anyway, Pat, we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. So you call yourself a joyologist, and I know you've had some incredible experiences in your life that you would look at and go, wow, how did you possibly get through all that? And we will talk about that, but not just yet. What I want to know is what would you describe your role as a joyologist and how do you do that? How do you instill this feeling of joy into the lives of people? Uh, Well, probably since I was 17, humour has been uh, a very big part of my life. So the imp in me can show up (laughs) and using humour lifts people off the path and into the bushes so we can shift perceptions, we can help people change state and feel better. And I didn't consciously become aware of that at the age of 17, but when I look back, it's like I was a nurse for 20 years and it's like all through that time that was probably the one constant. I dared to be the imp, got me into trouble a few times with matron, (laughs) but that innate part of me, was the essence. The, the very first man I ever bed bathed was a man by the name of Bob Hall. A crane had fallen on him and he was literally flattened. When they first looked at him, they said, he's not going to make it. They risked taking him to theatre. He actually had 35 broken bones. Take him to theatre, fearing he might die on the table, and he didn't. And as they're trolling him back to recovery, the conversation was going, Oh, well, poor beggar, he'll probably be a vegetable. But he woke up in recovery and revealed he wasn't a vegetable. And so the conversation changed again and they said, well, he'll never walk again. Now, two things I want to share about that. Bob Hall was in hospital the whole three years of my general nurse training and I saw Bob Hall every single day I was on duty, whether I was rostered on his floor or not. Bob walked on two sticks to my graduation ceremony and stood up the back. And when the formalities were over, he raised one of those canes and waved it and he said, I've actually got something to say. And he came down the front and he opened out this big scroll. It was about three feet long. And he started reading off all the tricks and pranks and terrible things I sometimes did to him while he couldn't walk. Every now and again, my mother would say, oh, Patricia, you didn't. <laughs> like what? Give us an example of some of the things you did to poor old Bob. Well, he was bedridden for a very long period of time, and I would always put mercurochrome of the urinal that he would use to empty his bladder, which would leave a red ring about his pubes. <laughs> um, I'd put Dexal, you know, the effervescent powder into the urinal so it would fizz up and make a mess and yeah, but didn't you have to then clean that mess up? Yeah. 
Okay. So really you were getting yourself. And, you know, I didn't consciously do it then, but, but it is about interrupting the current reality and showing something else. So now I'm just more consciously in that space. And the intervening years have shown me all those years nursing. I saw some pretty horrific people in terrible circumstances. So, you know, being able to deal with trauma and loss and support people in that space. And the turn of the century, we had the emergence of positive psychology, Professor Martin Seligman being one of the leaders and being able to help people shift out of the old mental health model, which was a very depressed one, into this new place, I was just delighted. It just so woke me up to, you know, this innate thing that I had and now I'm very consciously aware of it. Yeah, awesome. That's wonderful. And are you still playing around with the mercurochrome and the effervescent powder? Oh, no, I'm a bit... You've grown out of that. <laughs> That's a shame. I think you should get it out again, Pat. I'm sure there's someone that would love to get a bit of mercurochrome around their pubes <laughs> yeah, and their toilet water to bubble over onto the floor. So you have been the president of the National Speakers Association and you're a very experienced and well-known speaker. Tell us about some of the experiences, some of those crowds you've spoken to and some of the impact you've been able to have on lives. When I first started, I was the world's first joyologist and like I got given that message and it was like, oh, well, okay, how about a hint about what that might be? And I ended up doing two pilot programs to just explore. One was using laughter yoga in a uh, rest home and I took the residents through a 90-day experience and declared them to be New Zealand's first laughter accredited facility. They went on to achieve a world record in the Guinness Book of Records for laughing continuously for one hour. And at the end of that time, I wanted to do something more expansive. And so I assessed the residents and staff using Howard Gardner's theories of multiple intelligence and created an activity, what I believe to be the most extensive and varied activities program in aged care, certainly for that time. That was back in 2000, 2001. And that 15 months was the mainstay for where I was able to draw on my past learning and experiences and think about what now can come forward for me to use and create results, not just in aged care, that that was just the pilot experience. And working with those elderly people, 65 through to 105, really demonstrated to me they're no different. They're no different to you or I in terms of their core abilities and strengths, where their individual strengths lie. And when we take away control of activities of daily living, as we often do in rest homes, people can perceive they've lost control and they give up. And that's often why elderly people die pretty much once they're incarcerated. And that became very apparent to me. There were 29 residents in that rest home and in that first three months, four came off long-term antidepressants and they started getting out of bed and they started taking the mickey out of each other. And I thought, what is it that's happening here? And it was, I often wear a lot of hats and the elderly ladies would be at the door talking loudly as deaf people often do, saying, I wonder what hats you have on today. So all of these things fed into 
here I am grieving from my losses that happened around the turn of the century, but I walked in there and I was able to divest of my full self. And they loved me when everything I'd known had walked away. My family hadn't spoken. My partner of 20 years had left. And here were these 29 elderly people making no judgment. They just loved me. And I came like a burst of sunshine with the, the hat and whatever else I bought. And I had them laughing and I wasn't telling jokes. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so good. Let's have a quick break, Pat. I want to come back because there's so much to talk about. I'm really looking forward to it. We'll be back shortly. The shedding of tears after a significant achievement, a meaningful moment or purposeful pursuit is an indication of the powerful emotional joy we all strive for in our lives. What if there was a process for personal transformation that could lead to regular tears of joy moments? In Tears of Joy, Andrew Joblin provides the simple steps that will predictably lead to many meaningful moments of significance, achievement and well-being. This book offers a sure and certain pathway to transformation that lasts. To purchase Tears of Joy or any of Andrew's other books, go to andrewjobling.com.au. I love that, Pat. I love the impact you've had on those 29 elderly people. And I've noticed in your notes about yourself that you've worked and traveled with Patch Adams, and I'm sure he was a massive influence in your life. And I'm sure everyone's heard of Patch Adams. And if you haven't Google Patch Adams or go and watch the movie. I don't know how accurate that movie is. Is, is that a true reflection of his life? It's a little bit Hollywoodized, but of course. the story in essence is true. Effectively, you're the female version of Patch Adams, or let's actually say the other way. Patch Adams is the male version of Pat Armitstead because it's what he did. As a student, he just wanted to go in and play the fool and make people laugh and wear weird yes, hats and weird costumes and do all sorts of crazy stuff. And that was his vision. He knew that would have an impact on their health and well-being, as obviously you do as well. Did you meet him? How well did you know him? Because I think that's an awesome association. following him for some time, and I met a lady who had travelled with him, and I just really felt called to go. So he's been going to Russia for well over 30 years now, from the 1st to the 16th of November each year taking a troop of people in clown persona, bringing joy into orphanages in Moscow and St. Petersburg. And so I got his number, give him a ring, and said I'd like to join him 12 months down the track. And he said, Pat, don't come because of me. Come because you would like to find and spend your clown self. Come because you'd like to experience the disparity between rich and poor and come because you'd like to make at least one Russian friend. So, yes, we did work together over that four to 16 days, actually. However, the true gift that I got was what he created in the opportunity. In Moscow, we stayed in very impoverished conditions, like a minus five-star hotel. In St. Petersburg, it was like an eight-star hotel. Breakfast, there was a woman in the most magnificent ball gown, sitting on a dais in the dining room playing the harp while we had breakfast, and we just walked in and out of rich and poor the whole 16 days. Some days we had magnificent meals, other days (laughs) not so good. And we saw these children who lived in locked-up situations, often barbed wire fences, dirt floor, no toilet paper, no hand towel, no soap, often no light bulbs. 
and he'd been going to some of those orphanages for many, many years. And we walked in, clowns, people in clown persona, we were compassionate clowns. Some were performing in that they could do tricks or other things, but all we needed to do really was be present. So he actually gave me permission, not verbally, but that it, through that experience to come back and live fully into how I thought joyology could evolve. Yeah, that's awesome. What a wonderful experience. Now, Pat, I'm just looking at your website and there's a heading that says what most people don't know about Pat Armistead. And it's pretty jaw-dropping, some of the stuff you've been through in your life. Do you want to give us a little bit of a, just a quick overview of some of your challenges that you've overcome and because it makes it all the more incredible or makes you all the more incredible that you're sitting here wearing a beautiful colored floral top and your amazing necklace and big smile on your face and sharing joy all around the world based on the stuff you've been through in your life. Tell us a bit about the journey and then tell us a bit about how you've been able to find joy in amongst all that. At the turn of the century or a little bit before, I am Australian. And my partner was from New Zealand, but he'd been over here for 20 years. My business, which was at then, which was a video production company, was going down the gurgler. It was a bit of a recession. People had stopped advertising, making commercials. Long story short, we relocated back to New Zealand, mainly because my family haven't spoken since 1989. And there was like no soft place to land. So I arrived in New Zealand owing $80,000. People said, oh, you won't get work. And I'm like, well, <laughs> kind of need to. I've got this debt that I need to clear. So I repaid that $80,000 in two years. First 18 months that I was there, I had 10 car accidents. How many? And 10. But disclaimer, none were my fault, honest. Oh, um, I would have to have a look at the video replay of all of those accidents, Pat. None. You had no responsibility in any of those. Well, I was there, so I guess there's that. Nine times I got hit up the back at a stop sign, not the same stop sign, and once got collected in a roundabout. All in New Zealand? Yeah, Auckland. Okay, so those people listening, when you go to New Zealand, don't drive is the message you're getting from Pat because they're crazy. <laughs> Apologies for any New Zealanders that are listening to this. Don't mean to be offensive. <laughs> yeah, so I had lost my first child, a daughter. My previous relationship ended up being a violent relationship, which I tolerated for too many years. I had cancer and recovered, obviously, but I thought I was going to die. I lost half my body weight, which was probably quite a good look, but... It's not the um, way you want to do it, though, hey? Yeah. And then once I repaid that money, my partner of 20 years left with another woman, and I was devastated. His parting words to me, language has become very important to me because his parting words were, no, I don't love you and I never loved you. And I thought if that's Yowch. true, yes, if that's true, I thought back then, then everything I've ever known is not true. And so I disintegrated. Yeah. However, because of my choices, all the steps from then on have been about my reintegration. And my doctor wanted to medicate me. I was depressed and distressed for quite some time. And I said, no, I have every right to be sad and devastated. Yeah. Given the events, help me with my grief. 
and she wasn't the answer. I found an integrative medicine doctor and all he wanted to know was my story and he's got his guitar out and he sang me a song. And I think in that moment I really got present to my life as it could be, as it was and as it could be. And as soon as that happened, I started to experience paradox and synchronicity, right, just side by side challenge and support coming in very quickly. In the past, we always eventually <laughs> get some support, but they started appearing just like this. It was like, oh, my goodness, challenge. Oh, <laughs> okay, thanks. And I've got hundreds of stories, which I'm writing about at the moment, of what happens then when you step out in intention, not in intention to achieve a certain thing, but just in intention, And I think you start to see what you would have missed because you were kind of looking at the world with very narrow focus and you take off a lot of these lenses and it's like, oh, my goodness. So I went to a grieving seminar and on the same day I talked to a magician in South Australia and this is where joyology was born and he'd invited me to be in conversation about bringing laughter yoga to New Zealand. So we're talking on the phone and there's a little lull in that conversation and a voice said to me, was it my higher self probably, oh, my God, we've got radiology, pathology, haematology, but no joyology. I'm going to be a joyologist. And that was the beginning and everything evolved from there. I did the pilots. Anyone who stood still long enough, I talked (laughs) and Over that first 18 months, two years, I just kept sifting and sorting and pulling the threads together through to 2004 when I finally had enough to have a brand and I toured with Patch, which was like the permission notice and to really get serious about delivering into health but also into the business sector. Wow, what a story. And, you know, the... Many, many things from Patch, but the the thing about humour, he he shared with me on the bus one day that his mother was a diabetic and she'd had one leg removed because of poor circulation and he was there when she woke up and he's sitting beside mum, his big booming voice, so he's sitting there beside Ma and patting her hand as she's coming out of the anaesthetic and he says, well, Ma, now you know what it's like to have one foot in the grave. And I hope listeners are laughing. (laughs) They might be a bit shocked. (laughs) And one of the things about humour is, number one, you need context and you need association. Yeah. And he could say that given their relationship. Yes. And given who he is. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, if it had been said by somebody else with no relationship, it might have been, whoa. (laughs) Offensive. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I think that's the root of what it means to be good human. It's about being appropriately responsive or not, but knowing the difference. And you can't do that unless you've got a, a very good listening yeah. for what you're hearing in a conversation or in a, an encounter and then, you know, deeply accessing your intuition to work with what you know and, you know, be, be of value in that moment. And you've got to have that relationship with someone where you can 
say something with humour that with someone that you don't know as well might perceive as an insult or offensive, but that relationship where people know where you're coming from, that's awesome. Pat, let's have another quick break and then we're going to come back and I want to find out exactly how you're going to help people listening to this add some more joy into their life if that's what they want to do. We'll be back. Career well-being is an essential piece of the wellness puzzle. One third of our lifetimes are spent working, with each and every one of us facing challenges along the way. Where do you go to be heard and feel supported? We've created Hexcom, the community app to help you with your career well-being. A safe place to learn, share advice and gather insights, empowering you to pursue your dreams and achieve fulfilment in your career. Download the Hexcom app in the App Store and Google Play today. So, Pat, is joyology an actual, real, like psychology or physiology? Joyology, is it accredited qualification or is it just a label that you've given yourself? Well, it is a self-appointed label. There are other joyologists. Most of them only do laughter yoga and uh, more comedy, so I'm not a comedian. The IP that I've created over time, I have a grieving program called Good Grief, so supporting people through grief and loss so that they can emerge and be able to use their wisdom to make meaning of that event and, and therefore be able to find some purpose in moving forward. I've been very focused on wanting to lift spirits in the workplace. In New Zealand for three or four years, I ran the Humour in Business Awards and it was really interesting to talk with businesses. They were like, oh, God, you know, we do have a very serious business we have here, Pat. No laughter, no smiling, no fun. And then I had my radio program over there and coaching people to raise their consciousness and come from an empowered place. So all of those offerings, <laughs> I also have a stress, humour and health program showing the interrelationship between those three. Humour and laughter are very healing. And when I say humour, it's not necessarily about just jokes or even funny stories, you know, Mike Hutchison, who was the MD of Saatchi and Saatchi in New Zealand, was my mentor for many years. And I chose him, targeted him, <laughs> because he's such a genial man and his consistency and his geniality just astounded me. And I'm like, that's who I want. I need someone who can support me to go to market and, and make this happen. And he's a friend through to this day. I've got two more questions for you. And the first question is, what are the physical or physiological effects of joy in someone's life? How's it going to help them physically? Because there's a healing power of joy and laughter. How does it help the body to have joy in people's lives? Joy is an inner work, right? We can look out at the world and see a bird and that'll bring us some joy, but it's an inner experience. Uh, we can go and purchase an item and it might give us some transient pleasure, but that pleasure will soon dissipate. Being able to access inner joy and hold that space is perhaps our lifetime work, really. I love being with people. One of the things that the listeners may well find valuable 
something I've been doing for the last 21 years is I now know my two peak moments. When I'm speaking and the lights go on for a person in the audience, it's like, yes, job done. And then when I'm doing my art and creating, I don't need anyone else. And I'd like to share a quick story about a recent health interlude. I've had some problems with my blood pressure. I had hypertensive crisis about probably a month, six weeks ago. 10 o'clock at night, my blood pressure was 220 over something. Not good. No. So, uh, I live alone, so you've got to make your own decisions. So I rang the ambulance. They arrive, and we'll have to take you to hospital. I knew that would be coming. And as we got in the ambulance and the paramedics monitoring me and the blood pressure still 220, and she said, I noticed in your lounge, she said, all that art on your walls, is that yours? And I said, yes, and off I went talking about the art. And she jumped in her seat and I'm like, oh, what? And she said, oh, Pat, she said, I've never seen this. She said, when you started talking about your art, your blood pressure came down to 120, 170. Wow. Wow, indeed. So next thing, we talked a little more and it went back up. And she told What were you talking about when it went back up? Oh, she was just, you know, small talk, probably wanting me to put a mask on which I didn't. (laughs) And then she said, and I noticed on the sideboard there's a framed, that little blue card about a speaking engagement and joyologist. She said, is that you? And I said, yes. She said, I've never heard of that. What's that? So I start to tell her about joyology. And guess what? Oh, my God. She says, it's happened again. Your blood pressure has dropped again to 120 on 70. And in that moment, I got whatever was coming for ahead of me now, I needed to take that journey because there was something beyond my control that was guiding me. And what I got from those two things is, Pat, you have had your confidence knocked over this 21 years as a pioneer. If you think you're going to go somewhere and be clever, you'll often be knocked off your perch by people who don't want that to happen. And so I have worked with (laughs) self-doubt through this period and it just became absolutely apparent that I am on path and my physiology told me as soon as I was in those places. So I've known since that period it's like, all right, don't get distracted, don't go off there doing that rubbish, don't get pulled in by that. Come back to just these two things, Pat, because that's your guiding light. You've been given the clarity, and your body knows. Candace Pert wrote a book called Molecules of Emotion. She was the first pathologist to really explore what happens in the cells of your body when you experience different emotions. And we have fresh impact from uh, how we're feeling at a certain time, but we also have stored emotions. And probably the major stored emotions that we have are around grief and loss and trauma. And if they're not given expression, we become ill. And there are many and varied ways to bring ourselves back. And going on that journey of introspection, if you like, is extraordinary because you less and less and less are reliant on feedback from anybody else about how good you are. As a presenter, 
I got lots of wonderful feedback and I started saving it and put it in folders. I still have it. And I have about 5,000 endorsements. And my coach around about 2012 said to me, Pat, when will it ever be enough? And the enormity of that then struck me. Most of those endorsements were unsolicited, but on an unconscious level, I was looking for it. Yeah. Of course, you were, you were relying on those endorsements to help you feel good about yourself. And I think that's a pretty common thing, isn't it? But what you've just said is you don't need external endorsement. You only need to be on your path, to be focused on the stuff that brings you joy. And all of a sudden, everything works. Everything's in alignment. I mean, that's an incredible story about the change in your blood pressure. You hear stories about this all the time. I mean, I did podcasts with a guy who was a singer. He was traveling the world singing, but he said he was always stressed and anxious and unwell because it wasn't his path. He forced himself to do it because he thought that's what he should do. And it's interesting when you find your path, how all of a sudden the world is a better place and you're a healthier, happier person. That's an incredible story. So Pat, here's the big question. For people sitting there that are experiencing a lot of stress and anxiety and fear and uncertainty and this latent stored emotion that they've got, maybe grief and trauma that they've had in their life, how do they start to bring joy into their life? And I know that's a big question and I know we don't have a lot of time, but I'm thinking what would be one real simple hint you could give to people to start really experiencing the power that joy can have? We need to get out of our head back into our heart and one of the things that I've done throughout all of this period is journaling. And when you journal first thing in the morning and spill on the page, even if you don't know what to say, you just write that, I don't know what to say. And then whatever comes next, you write that. Damn toaster blew up this morning. Oh, flat tie when I went to the park. Oh, I forgot to clean the tip, you know, that. And when we spill all that onto the page, especially first thing in the morning, it's like rearranging and tidying up your desk, right? It's straightening up the laptop. It's putting keyboard and rubbish papers in the bin. And suddenly you've got this pristine space where you can receive during the day. And to do that consistently over time, you don't refer to your past notes until a period of time has gone. And then you look, go back and look at, oh, my God, look at the language I was using then and look at how I say things now. I know the language I was using 2000, 2001, as I wrote in my journals then, was pretty ugly. I held huge amount of jealousy for this other woman. And over time, a friend said to me, I can't remember what year, maybe 2003, four. she said, so what are all those boxes under your bed? And I said, oh, they're the old journals. And she said, you're sleeping on that? <laughs> and... I thought, yes, you know. So I took them and burnt them and then I took the ashes and placed them out under a tree outside my bedroom and two kingfishers came and perched on the power line, first with their backs to me and then they turned around and faced me. And there's a great gift with getting connected to yourself. You will see market increasing connection to nature and the things around us. What you didn't notice before will become apparent. And it's like nature leans into us. 
And in that noticing, I have a peewee who comes here now every morning and he comes right to the back door and taps. I've never seen him before. <laughs> He's only been here the last couple of weeks. And it's like, how did you know to come? How did you know? So, you know, it's all about who we're being, deciding who we're going to be. I used the four agreements to build an art gallery in Australia. We raised $550,000, bought all KFC building off council for $1, oversaw the refurbishment, and it continues to this day to be a pristine gallery displaying amazing art. And we used the four agreements, people on the committee, to stay on the page. And the first agreement is be your word. When we can be our word, when no one's looking, then we truly start to get access. There's a bit of angst in that space because we're often heading to a place we haven't been before. But in the doing so, look at the achievement. There were many times, I don't know if you've ever worked with artists, but they're not always easy. (laughs) It's like hurting. I don't know what it's like hurting. However, we committed, we made the commitment And we remained committed. So even committing to the morning pages in three months' time, you see extraordinary shift. We're going beyond where you think. Yeah. Okay, so what are those other agreements? I knew you'd ask me that. (laughs) Can you remember? (laughs) There's be your word. Yep. Never make assumptions. People are always doing their best. And I can't think of the fourth one. Okay. That's all right. That's good. Even just that first one, be your word. I think if we can just focus on that. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering, what do I do now? Be your word. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Follow through with it. Don't start and stop and do it because you feel like it and stop because you don't feel like it. No, I'm having a bad day. I'm not going to do it. People do this all the time. I see it all the time. And oh my gosh, you see so much potential in people and they allow these old patterns or their feelings or their emotions on in the moment or the circumstances at the time dictate what they do rather than just be the word and say, if they say, I'm going to do it, just do it. Because if you do it long enough, it will become an unconscious habit and you'll do it for the rest of your life. It'll just be part of who you are and part of your DNA, which obviously is what you've done. So, oh, Pat, this has just been such a wonderful conversation. I thank you so much. I'm sorry that it's coming to an end, but if people want to continue this conversation with you, how do they do that? By all means, be in touch through my website. I am, I do have a new one coming, but for the moment, it's www.joyology.co.nz, but I'm creating another under my own name. One of my discoveries has been, I am Joyology. I've been it all my life. However, it's only the last 21 years that I've given it a name. And it's really interesting that we're talking today and that this is 21 years because I really do feel literally for myself I've come of age and also joyology has come through a number of iterations, refining, polishing, and now able to serve across the spectrum of human emotion. Yeah. That's awesome. If you're listening, reach out to Pat. Go to her website, joyology.co.nz, and you'll be able to reach her there. Pat, thank you so much for your time. It's been a wonderful conversation, and keep on spreading that joy. You're doing a wonderful job. Thank you. We're here to bring joy. That is for sure.
Well, I feel joyful. I feel happy and content and ready to go out and laugh and look at life from a totally different perspective after that wonderful conversation with Pat Armitstead. What a cool lady she is. Well, she's been through some stuff, but to be able to find joy in amongst all of that, to be able to bring yourself back to yourself, to be your word, to live a life of joy is really what we're all about. doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges. There will be. doesn't mean there's not going to be times when you're sad and depressed and angry and anxious and all those things you will because you're human. However, joy is there available for you anyway if you just take some very simple steps and do some of the stuff that Pat suggested. What a wonderful conversation it was. Now, if you want to reach out to Pat, find out more about what she's doing, www.joyology.co.nz is where you need to go and you'll be able to find her, reach out to her and take advantage of the amazing stuff she's doing to help people create joy in their own lives. I want to thank Jeff and the team at Hexcom for sponsoring the podcast. They bring joy into lives, particularly in their career life, joy and well-being. That's a wonderful thing to be doing as we spend so much of our time working. Some joy and well-being in a career is a very important thing. So thanks to Jeff and the team at Hexcom and for sharing my podcast and the joy that I'm trying to put out to the world. It's been a wonderful conversation this week. So excites me and motivates me to be back again next week with another wonderful guest. So I absolutely will be. Please be with me. Please share this message. So, so critical, so important for everyone to hear. I'll be here next week. Hope you're going to be with me. My name's Andrew Jobling. This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast. 